Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, September 21st. We are here live. I'm going to open the phone lines up right now. It is time for a free-for-all. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all you want to talk about, jump in and join us. Lines are open 855-950-3835. I am back in the studio today. We were on the road this week up in the northern country, close enough to holler to our Canadian neighbors up there. We had a great trip. Got to visit uh, with my son and his family. That was nice. It was too short, too hectic, but uh, that looks like our schedule for the fall right now. So we just got back in time. Uh, I have to do a short show today. Uh, I'll be doing an hour, then we go to Rolling Toe, and then we are done for the day. Uh, We have got to sign all the closing documents today on the new homestead. So um, we're excited about that. We've got to get ready for the big fall trip. We've got a lot going on. Um, Other than that, I have been very focused on the economy. I think we might finally be seeing some signs of where we're going with this, and we might be able to make some sense of it. Um, Oh, hold on one second here. Uh, I remember I was trying to figure where this quote came from. You know, next year we've got an election. It's kind of a big thing. It seems like it's always election cycle. But um, I I was trying to remember, I knew there was a... um, a saying, and I thought it was around the Clinton time, and it was. So the saying that I remembered was, the economy, stupid. That was coined by uh, James Carville, if you remember him, in 1992. Carville was the strategist for Bill Clinton's 92 presidential campaign, and he won. And it was about the economy, and many times elections are. If you think about the last election, no matter what you believe about what happened, whether you believe it was real or not, and fair, seems like there's an awful lot of evidence that maybe it wasn't, but we're never going to change that. Had the economy done what everybody expected it should have done, there may have been a different outcome, but the economy was still strong. You know, we, it was a weird time, obviously, but it, we still had a strong economy. And really today, in a lot of ways, we still have a strong economy. Uh, you can't find enough workers. There are shortages of things. Prices are going up. So when prices are going up, people getting paid are probably getting paid more, but you're getting pinched on the other end with expenses. But for the most part... Um, Nobody's really suffering from a poor economy. If you want a job, you can have three of them. If you want a couple of jobs and work the gig economy, you can. So you don't really feel a recession when there's this much work available and the work is paying pretty well. But I think that's about to end that we've been wondering what will finally end uh, this run up. And I think we've figured it out. I really do think um, that we're about to see the end of it. So uh, Noel Perry wrote a good paper, and I just got it this morning. I was thinking about this and working on it and trying to find some data. And I got up this morning, and sure enough, Noel came through. I had an email there. So he goes back. I sort of remembered a lot of these dates, but some of them are early for me. He went back all the way to 1960, and he looked at when recessions happened. And they they primarily happen about every 10 years. And we've talked about that. And the theory is that we, we have a good economy that gets started, and we produce, and we buy, and we produce, and we buy. And it takes us about 10 years and we start to get worried that maybe we're spending too much. And then we all start to pull back on our spending and that's what creates a recession. That's the theory. Economics are incredibly complicated. I don't pretend to even understand half this stuff. I try to read people that do kind of understand it. 
but it's it's really complicated. So he went back and since 1960, there were only a couple exceptions on the 10 year rule. Um, We had a recession in 1970. I don't really remember that. I was seven years old. So uh, that one happened 10 years after the one prior. So that was what we call cyclical. Happened right when we thought it was. We did have a recession in 1975, though, five years. That was quick. But that was because of the oil situation at the time. Um, OPEC and oil prices going way up and shortages. I do vaguely remember the gas rationing. You, I think it's either based on your last name or your license plate or something. You could only buy gas every other day. Uh, that was weird. And we were told in 1975 that the world was out of oil um, and we were all going to freeze and starve to death. Uh, turns out that obviously wasn't true because we have more oil now than we know what to do with. Uh, and we need to start doing something with it as part of the problem here. Uh, the U.S. needs to go back to producing a lot of energy, but I don't see that happening. So after 1975, we did have one in 1980, and that was really cyclical if you skip the one in 1975. So it happened in 70 and 80. We had that 10-year cycle. The problem was we had that goofy oil embargo in the middle of that. Then things really got weird. Uh, In 1982, we had another one. And that was because of the Fed and deregulation of some big industries really created a lot of havoc uh, in our economy. So here's, here's what I was used to as I was growing up and getting jobs and trying to get out into the workforce. Three recessions within seven years, and that's when I was graduating. Uh, And I've talked about this. In 1981, when I graduated, it was not unusual to go fill out. People are going to think I'm insane. You would go fill out 30 applications to get one phone call for a minimum wage job. That's not an exaggeration. And by the way, you didn't get to go online and fill out the applications You had to drive around to the physical locations and and by hand sit there and fill out the application over and over and over. And there were just no jobs. And and again, I'm talking about minimum wage jobs. You would fill out this many applications to get working in a grocery store or a restaurant. It was a very difficult economy. Uh, I was in Northeast Ohio and most of the people I knew at the time were leaving and going to Oklahoma and Texas because... During that time, we did have an oil boom. So there was uh, good economic activity in the in the southwest and there were jobs and they were building houses. And it was a very, very difficult economy. And now I kind of see why I didn't I didn't really remember this jumble of three recessions from 1975 to 1982. Uh, Then we got a pretty normal uh, cycle for a long time. And that's been most of our our everybody listening to me most of our working career we've had pretty stable economies since about 1982 when we came out of and and we've talked many times about that one that one was bad that one was what created what we call stagflation where the economy sucks you can't get a job and prices are still going through the roof Um, mortgage rates of 18%. If that happened today, almost nobody would be able to buy a house with housing prices the way they are. It, It was a really crazy time. Now, I've also talked about if you had cash during that time, it was a pretty incredible time. Uh, I've told the story about my brother-in-law that taught me how to do body work and paint cars. And he became a a millionaire, multimillionaire doing body work. Uh, One, he was really good at it and he was really fast. And the interesting thing about body work is you get paid kind of by the hour, but not by the hour you work. You get paid by the number of hours the job was quoted for. So if you have a job that's quoted for 10 hours and you do it in five, you still get paid 10 hours and you have five more hours to go do it again. Um, 
On the other hand, if you screw up and you have to redo it and it takes you 12, you're still only getting paid for 10. But he was really good at what he did and he hustled and he made a lot of money, but he really managed his money well. And his timing was good. He was still young then. He would have been in his early 20s in the 1980s when he was teaching me. And I remember him telling me about CDs, certificates of deposit. You went down and you bought a CD at a bank and you locked up your money for a year, six months, or three years, whatever the term was, and they paid you a, a set guaranteed amount of interest. And they were very popular then because they were paying 10% interest, 10%. If you had $100,000 to put in a CD for a year, you got $10,000 in growth. That's incredible. Almost never happens in any economy, Uh, but it happened for a while back then. So remember, bad economies also come with big opportunities usually. So um, that was our last really bad uh, recession. And again, it it feels like almost bookends for me. I I don't want to say I'm at the end of my career because I don't think I'm anywhere near it. But, you know, it's it's 40 years later. Um, I went through it when I was just starting into um, the business world and work. And now it feels like we might be setting up for something like that again. Um, Here's what Noel thinks. So let me continue going through these. Uh, 1990, we had a normal recession. That was, I was um, three years into, three years, four years into being an owner operator. Um, And I remember that one. It hurt. It hurt bad. That was the one that really started the downturn for me. I had been building trucks in 1990. I had 11 trucks. We had the brokerage. We had a service truck. I was in business with um, one of my brothers, and we struggled. And and um, we ended up dissolving that company and and selling off most of the trucks. And he kept a couple, and I kept a couple, and um, we went back to saving our our businesses and our finances, but it was a tough time. Um, Then we had another one right around 2000, just about exactly 10 years when we expected it. Um, By that time, I was much more stable in my business and my personal finances were pretty solid around then. Uh, So I got through the 2000 recession without a big problem. Uh, Then we hit 2009, right there about that 10 year mark again, right when we expected it. That was a pretty bad one, and um, it, it wasn't a great time for me either. I had gone through a divorce and gave up a business and sold another one and wasn't sure what I was going to be doing. It started the radio show in, in 07, so I was kind of focused on that. Um, but that was, uh, that, that was a little more of a tough one for me. We, we struggled a little bit through that, trying to build a new business. And ever since 2009... I've been trying, and I can remember coming out of that one saying, I need to be better prepared for the next one. We know they're coming, so what do you do to get prepared for these things? And it was when I really got serious uh, about really starting to manage the business and manage money. And uh, Lisa took over all of that, so that helped too. I, I know the theory of how to manage money. I don't do it all that well in the real world. I tend to be way too much of a risk taker and I don't really care about the downside that much. And um, I don't like following rules. So I, I know all the theories on how you should manage money, but uh, I let Lisa do it because she's much better at it. So we've been hyper-focused since then, building a business, but doing it this time, what I consider to be the right way, slowly and really watching the pennies and really, you know, being careful if you're going to use debt, use it carefully and pay it off as quick as possible and start stacking up pennies until pennies become dollars and start stacking up dollars till they become thousands and tens of thousands and and then wait for the opportunity. And I've been talking about this for a long time, since about 2018, because 2009 was, we came out of the last recession, 2018, actually 2017, I think I remember really starting to talk about 
helping people get ready. How many times did I say pay down debt, save cash? Uh, And I was saying in 2017, you probably didn't have much time. I was really, really wrong about that one. We've had crazy economic growth since 2017. But unfortunately, along with that comes crazy inflation. And that's our problem right now. Uh, I was actually a little worried about all the cash I had. That's why we bought this property. I wanted to convert a lot of that cash into hard assets, which is what we've done. Uh, I'd much rather be holding a real estate portfolio during a an inflationary time rather than cash. If you think about it, your cash is worth less every day when inflation is happening. But if the prices of everything are going up, then your hard assets, appreciable assets go up with it. And that seems to be what's happening to real estate. Now, there is still a strong possibility of a real estate bubble bursting. There's some reasons why it's not, but that doesn't mean it couldn't happen. I still think it could. Um, So then real estate even becomes tricky. You have to watch your timelines and why you're buying the real estate. This property, um, it fits so many things and so many reasons. That's why we bought it, even though we weren't really in the market for something like this right now. Um, For us, it's, it's a lot of things. It's a lifestyle. I want to be more active. I want more work to do around the property. Uh, I don't want to get lazy and not do things and retire the way most people do. Or even, again, I'm using the word retire. I doubt that I ever will. But even just slowing down a little and, you know, looking to spend more time doing other things, um, that's a big part of this property. I do think the property in today's market was a bargain. Um, it's a weird property, so it didn't get a ton of offers, but I I think it's a bargain, but I also think that it could lose a lot of value in a, in a, if we have a bubble burst, we might, but I don't care. This is not a property that I ever plan on selling. Um, I, I would, will, I will pass this property down. I I've made the statement that my kids are getting nothing. Um, but something like this, I would like to see stay in the family. So, Uh, And on top of that, like I said, I I just think that this particular property uh, makes a lot of sense if the wheels come off. Um, But I do believe that I've got to be careful with real estate in the next couple of years. So we're looking at our other properties. We're we're in a good position on most of them. We have just about everything um, paid for. So we wouldn't have to sell anything. And if we did, we would always end up with cash. So um, a couple more things here, and then I I do need to start getting to some calls. They're starting to pile up on me, and we've only got an hour. But I wanted to get through this because it's um, I think it's important, and and it's the first time I've really seen Noel commit to what he thinks is coming. He's and, and I understand why the signs have been very confusing. So after 2009, we expected a downturn around 18 or 19. It never came. You know, it could have been late. We really expected it to happen then in 2020, but we know why it didn't occur then. The shutdowns and the stimulus. So now Noel is looking at all of that data and he thinks 2024 is the year of the recession. And then he outlines, you know, three different types. Uh, well, here's, um, let me go through some of the reasons why and some of the other things we need to be aware of in our economy. Debt exposure. Um, a decade of very low interest rates has contributed to a worrisome expansion of debt to include many banks and even the federal government. Most of that debt has interest of less than 3% and rates are climbing, the cost of that debt is going to double. That um, We've already seen some bank failures, and this is why. So that's worrisome. That's another reason why it's getting harder and harder to find a place to park your assets. Like I, like I said, you should have been paying off debt and saving cash. You should absolutely still be saving off, well, 
Now I, I have to think about that. If you've got debt at two or 3%, I wouldn't be paying it off. I'd be saving cash if you don't have enough. Um, and when I say, you know, you have to be careful about saving cash, I'm talking about, you know, getting up to the 100000 or more mark. You should absolutely have cash available, emergency fund kind of cash, 10, 20, 30,000, whatever you need to get you through, you know, times of very, very low income. But other than that, I, I, I don't think it's a good time to be holding on to a lot of excess cash, but it's getting more and more difficult to figure out what to do with it. China has a horrible problem um, with risk because of debt right now. And we, we do have to be concerned about even our enemies and, and what happens in their economy because it affects us. And that's the next point Noel makes is that a global recession is very, very likely. And it may happen before the U.S. recession, and it may be the cause of the U.S. recession. So China, Russia, and much of Western Europe are on the brink of recession right now, probably a bad recession. That might be what triggers our, our issues. Um, oil shock. Crude prices are up $20 just since a couple months ago. Uh, ago. Uh, it's not going to take much more of an increase to re for that to have a big impact on the economy. And we've seen that in the past. And then we have another big one, and that's war. We have a war in Europe, and it's not good. And we are, we are on the brink of another war in Taiwan. China looks like it might want to try to take over Taiwan. And Biden has already committed us to that war if it happens. The news isn't good. It's really just not. We've been saying this for a long time. It hasn't gotten any better. A lot of these things are coming to a head. Um, the next thing that Noel talks about, and I'm just going to do this pretty quickly, he talks about three different recessions, a very mild recession, which we kind of just had. Um, we did go through that two-quarter period, and it technically qualified as a recession, and we thought that was the start of it. And then we came back out of it again. Uh, there's too much money still floating around. So it, we could have a light one where it lasts maybe a year and it's not all that deep. Or we could have a really bad one. Uh, and then obviously it could be something in between, which most of them tend to be. Um, Noel seems to be leaning towards that. Um, it might not be that bad. Uh, I, I hope he's right. He's thinking it might be somewhere in the middle, not really an easy one, not a soft landing, um, but not devastating. I'm hoping we don't have something like the early 80s. Uh, and that's why this inflation talk is, is worrisome um, and, and how we're starting to feel like there is a little bit of stagflation going on. Um, prices keep going up, but the economy doesn't look as good as it uh, should, maybe. So we will keep an eye on it. That is, like I say, the first really strong indicator from uh, Noel I've seen on when this is happening. And he didn't even give us really a time yet in 2024. He's just predicting sometime in 2024. Uh, let's get to some phone calls. Let's get started in Oklahoma. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. I got a few things, but I'll be real quick. All right. Um, the oil, the oil embargo days in New Zealand, you had to select a day. You chose a day that you would not drive your car, and you put you went to the post office, and they give you a sticker, and you put it on the middle of the windshield on the top there, so they could see it. Each day was a different color. So my father went out and bought a second car, which was a Fiat Bambina. I think it had three cylinder engine. Yeah. Suicide oh doors and Yeah. So it didn't it didn't really achieve anything because every day I still drove a car. So <laughs> another so I, political idea. I actually remember up until yeah. that point and, and my dad when I was graduating was probably in his mid to late forties. I was the last of seven. Um, so in his forties at some point it was the first time he ever bought a new car. I remember it. Um, yep. and he, he bought a Volkswagen <laughs> rabbit diesel. He had always wanted a diesel. Uh, he actually had wanted, you know, one of the older Mercedes diesels, um, the 300 D's, yep. those, the sedans, he loved those cars, would never spend the money to buy one. 
Um, and he, he bought that rabbit diesel and he actually hated it. He didn't like yep. small cars and he, he hated that car, but that thing got 55 yep. miles to the gallon in 1981. I did it on a trip from uh, Cleveland down to Columbus. It was a junior or senior in high school, senior would have been 81. Um, I got 55 yep. miles to the gallon going to, uh, on, on a longer trip with that thing. It's pretty incredible. So, you know, some people say that the USA will collapse from within. Well, yesterday I went to the Oklahoma State Fair, and I have a theory. The health and well-being of the general public is terrible. It is. So it's going to get to a point. It's going to get to a point where the people that are able to work or want to work are not going to be able to support the people that can't or won't. Yeah, that's a good point. People are just fat, obese, sickly, pasty, anemic, you name it, they got it going on. And let's think about something. Yeah, let's think about something. How how are they able to go on? And and here's why, because the government government pays for everything and takes care of them. The government's already paying for their health insurance, so they run to the doctor yep. whenever they feel like it. They don't bother driving to the doctor. They call the ambulance because it's more convenient. Yeah. And, and they never yep. pay for any of this stuff. Their food is subsidized. <laughs> the food that's killing them is being subsidized. These yep. people would never have been able to get this sick and dumb without the government's help. Yeah, well, people, some people have succeeded doing it. And it, it was Seniors Day yesterday, and I said to my wife, and she's, she's a long way from healthy, but she's a long way ahead of a lot of the younger people. Which is scary. Like, for health-wise, yeah, because I, you know, I said, there'll probably be lots of scooter chairs there. Uh, I said, but the old people, they still look healthier than some of the younger people. And we were looking around, and... It's scary to look you know, at people. It's like, my God. You know what's really the last scary? last time you seen son was three days after you got born and came home from the hospital. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. You know what else is scary? Yep. I watched a commercial the other day, and I don't even, I have no idea what the commercial was for, but it was a bunch of maybe 10-year-old kids running. And they chose yep. non-typical kids. So there might have been, I don't know, 10 or 12 kids in this shot running. All of them were thin. Well, that's not typical. If you show me a picture of 11 kids, about half of them should at least be overweight, visibly overweight, because those are the numbers today. But they cherry picked this. They had skinny kids and they were running. But what was incredible is they didn't know how to run. I've never seen such awkward kids in my life. They could not run properly. uh, All I remember about being a kid is I ran everywhere. I ran all the time. Yeah. I ran constantly. Yeah. When I played, I ran. When I went to my friend's I house, like, I ran. I ran all the time. I look at these kids, they don't even know like, how to run properly. Yeah, goofy. So um, so my, my wife said to me yesterday, she said, you kind of look athletic when you're in this crowd. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big guy, but I, I pretty much look like an athlete. Yesterday, compared to the rest of them. So, I, hey, you're yeah. you're you're kind of like so, Indiana Jones. You got the accent and everything. Yeah, it's still a good conversation starter. So. That's right. Um, so you had a caller last week on the Spaces Show on Friday, and he was obviously a car hauler, and he was talking about taking a head rack off a Peterbilt and putting on a Volvo. Oh My yeah. Suggestion to him is. Do not even try it. So I know I, a guy took a head rack off him. Yeah, well, it, oh, it's a car hauler. Oh, yeah, it, it does so, not work real. It's not cost effective. So it here is my thought. Because he'll I, have to make modifications. He'll end up spending 20 grand. I, I'm glad you and called. And he was out the truck for six weeks. As he was yeah. saying that, I was just trying to think logically. I have zero experience with this. I've never been asked about it. I've never talked about it. But I was just trying to think logically. That frame has to be built very close to the specs of the cab itself. And all these cabs are wildly different. 
And I just thought to myself, what yep. are the odds that you're going to be able to pull one of these things off one truck and put it on a completely different truck? It, the modifications are going to well, be insane was in my mind. But I thought, I'm, I'm not going to say anything because I don't know. I'll just wait and see what the answer yeah. is. Well, because uh, if he gets a Volvo, if he gets a, a VAH, the front bumper to back of cab distance is different. Um, so where it mounts on the front, that's going to be different. So all that's going to have to be changed. If he got a VNL or a VNR, that's a setback front axle. All that had to be changed. And my that's what I thought, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... It'll be really, it'll end up costing them 15 or 20 grand easily. You know, my thought was, this is like trying to change engines in trucks. Yes, we can do it. Of course we can, but we almost never recommend it. It, 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 you could say, oh, but come on, you just just build this hose and fabricate that. Sure, we can do all of that stuff, but it's not cost effective. Just go buy another truck. Yeah. It's much, much cheaper to yeah. go buy another truck than to think you're going to put a different engine in the truck you have. The, the, the story yeah. I try to tell yeah. was, was Alan Kil, Kim Hemerson's truck that Pittsburgh Power did. They were taking out a yep. an emissions 14-liter Detroit and replacing it with the same engine, a 14-liter Detroit, but it was non-emission. It took Pittsburgh Power like three weeks and a lot of money to make yeah. that swap. Yeah. And now they drive a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, he can do it if he wants to, but I'm pretty sure Control will say, yeah, we're not interested in that job. And I can tell him of a couple of shops that would do it, but he'll need a pile of cash because it won't be cheap. Well, good. I'm glad uh, glad we got the answer. That was my feeling, but I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't know for sure. Okay, I'll let you go. No, you got a short show. All right. Okay, bye. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Mississippi. Mark, welcome. Good morning. Hey, uh, last week uh, I took the week off and I went to California. And I don't know if you remember me telling you about last year, I tried to climb Mount Whitney and I went six miles in the trail camp, failed, came out, took me a long time from one in the morning to about eight in in the evening, seven in the evening. I remember. Well, I went out there and, uh, the last Tuesday I was going to do a one mountain, but there's a a road involved and I didn't have a spare in the rental car. So I went to independence and I hiked up Tuesday to, Kearsage Pass, which is about an eight-and-a-half, nine-mile round trip to acclimate and to almost 12,000 feet. And so then Wednesday of last week, I got up. I stayed in the hotel because the last time I didn't get good sleep, and so I got good sleep. And to make a long story short, I, uh, I bought the correct equipment. It was not cheap. Uh, I camped at trail camp. I started about 10 o'clock in the morning and got up the trail camp, which is six miles in on the Whitney Trail about an hour before sunset. So I, I put my tent up and filtered water because you want to eat, you just water all along the way and you can filter water. And so a week ago today, I got up at 3.30 in the morning. And I laid there. And just like when you get up and you got to unload cars, they're not, <laughs> the mountain's not going to climb itself. And That's the cars right. aren't going to unload themselves. So, uh so I did it. I, I went up there and I hiked up and I, I got there about 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning at the summit. And it was like, I, I have one of these jet boil, uh, propane, yeah. uh, Little camp and stoves, I made yeah. coffee up there and I sat there. Yeah. I sat up there and I drank coffee and I stayed up there for about 35, 40 minutes and, you know, took pictures and whatnot. And, you know, the only thing I ate that those on those trails, the, the, the Tuesday and that one was, was boiled eggs. Uh, meat sticks and and Benny Torich's ultra fat. That's all I had, <laughs> and I didn't even need a lot of that. Isn't Seriously. that awesome? Like there were people eating oatmeal, and th- there were people eating oatmeal and cooking all this carb shit and all this crap and yeah. freeze dried stuff. And, you know, and uh, the, 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 my mountaineering guy, he was like, you know, you could take this, and I said no because he sells you Benny's ultra fat in there. And I, I'm like, I, I just I just took all of that, and I, he, I said I'm just going to use my stove to make coffee with because that's what I want. And I, I put electrolytes, I put keto chow electrolytes in all my water, and I really took a lot of magnesium and. Uh, 
cardio miracle before I went up. I kind of doubled up on all of that. Yeah. I took two, two or three scoops that morning before I left, and I had a couple of extra packs of the of the little sticks, and I took that up there. And, and, and I was I wanted to camp that Thursday night at trail camp just because you don't get in the mountains all the time. And I right. had my pass was good for all of that, but the weather was moving in. So I came on out. So I did over 14 miles that day. Wow. And I came on out and the six miles out. And I can tell you that it's it's something that, like, when I left a year ago, it's like it was a, I felt defeated. I felt like I lost. And I, I said to myself coming down that mountain that day a year ago, I said, I'm going to come back. Yeah. So I had a two-hour consult with Vinny because he, he does that. And I, I worked on things. And, like, the last month, I pretty much didn't eat any carbs. And I ate extremely low carb. I had a few potatoes the morning before I went up and uh, with the breakfast because I, I went and bought an omelet and bacon yeah. And, yeah. And, and just drank coffee. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it's like I, I didn't have – I've never since I've been going into the mountains have had out think it's because of how I eat. I don't know. I, I, I talk to people, get it all the time, and and and, and I, I've never had it. And I, I've got this Garmin Phoenix watch, so I, I watched my heart rate the whole way up. And when it would get to, like, in the 140s, it stayed in the 130s and 120s the whole time, up and down, less going down. And I watched my heart rate, and when it got high, I would stop. I would let it drop, and then I would get, continue on. I wouldn't sit down. I would just sit there and breathe, and then I would continue. And I, I'm not sure if that's what helped me do it and all of that. But I can tell you when Paul was talking about how people are unfit, people oh, yeah. can't do this, what I did. They're uh, just, I mean, they're not, they're not going to be able to. And it's like, I did over 30 miles in three days. That's at, incredible. At, at anywhere from, it, at anywhere from 80, cause you start Whitney at 8,500 and you go to 14,505 and you start Kearsage and Onion Valley at a little higher than that. And you go to, and, and so you're at higher altitudes. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so that's what yeah. I did last week. You know, that's just, awesome. And, you know, and it was, that, and it's now I want to go, and I want to go back because you know, it's like there's other ones out there I want to do, and it's just like, you know, when you get up, I'm gonna tell you this: when you get to the top and you you get there, and then there's little increments along the way where you're like, I'm making this, I'm doing this, and you know, I had to use micro spikes in a couple of one area, which are like chains on a truck, and you get up there and you sit there and you know what you did. And when you come down, you just have this feeling of gratitude oh, yeah. and victory. And it's almost like yeah. you're in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's like, that's a, that's I, a hell of an accomplishment. Descri- it's hard to describe. It's a, it's hard to describe, but you know, it, it just goes to show you that you you have to, to, to do something like that. And there were people that dropped out. I mean, there were people that complained about altitude sickness. Now, Cause I talked to everybody along the way. And then right. I was with some people I started, and you, you merged with people, because I was by myself, but there were some, some people from the Washington, and they, they were talking about they did this in Washington, and this one guy woke up, and he's like, I can't go up. My legs are locked up. I can't go up. I'm just going to sit here while everybody else goes. And, you know, and people were slow, and people, you know, it, it just, you know, and I, I just think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm active in my work, and, you know, I, I really I really got strict on my diet, really strict the last month before yep. I did it. But, you know, so many things have to go right to be able to tell me to pass. You, pass, you have to get the permit. You have the weather has to cooperate. You know, I, I was coming down at Kearsage Pass, and I was wearing different shoes, and I stepped on a rock, and I rolled my foot, and it was like I sat there for 15, 20 minutes going, and I'm like, Man, I hope that I hope I didn't do that because that would be like it would I would have to cancel. And but everything worked out, and you know, and now it's like you just get this confidence that you know you can do a lot of things because you sit there for a year and you think about this almost every day. It's like something you really want to do, and you want to get up there and you want to you know see the what it looks like and, and just experience it. And you know, and, and it's just it's like an inner battle with yourself and. I don't know. I just thought I'd I'd share it with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so what's interesting is when you're exerting yourself now and and you've been eating this way, you will find that you perform better at everything without food. We're so brainwashed into this. We have to have food. You have to have energy. You have to carb load. You you really don't. And it, it really hurts hurts your performance. You know, I think back to something in high school and I can't believe I was this dumb that I didn't figure this out. So, you know, our culture is you eat at least three meals a day and you snack every chance you get. 
I mean, that's our culture, and it has been the whole time I was growing up. And we're kind of brainwashed into that. So my junior year of high school, I went to a vocational school, um, and it was a joint vocational school that served like eight different high schools. So I had to drive like 20 minutes to the school every day, or there was a bus, but I drove... Um, and I spent all day at that school, but then I would come back to my high school for sports and it was wrestling season. And I was used to, in, in our high school, we had open lunch. You could leave, you could go eat wherever you want. You could go home, you could go to a restaurant, you could go do whatever you want at lunch. And I was used to that. So I never worried about, do I have lunch money or, you know, I never packed a lunch um, I would mostly either go home or go to a fast food restaurant. And I had just wasn't thinking I was in this other school. They didn't have an open lunch in the vocational school. You had to stay on the property. And I just didn't have any money some days. I would just forget about it. And of course, if I didn't have any money, I wasn't going to eat lunch. Every day that that happened, I performed significantly better in wrestling. Every time, and it was noticeable and I would think to myself, well, that's weird. Yeah. I'm starving, and yet I'm doing better. But it never dawned on me to actually do that. If I do better every day that I skip lunch, why didn't I just start skipping lunch? Yeah, I uh, a week ago today, I woke up at 3.30. I laid there. <laughs> I got to get going. I, 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 I took my egg cooker with me. I bought, you know, the, the pastured eggs. I ran to Bishop and got advanced uh, and got pastured eggs. And so I, I cooked a dozen the day before the, the, the night before that I left. And so they were cold. And of course it's, I ate four eggs and then I put three in my pocket and I rest were in the backpack. So I, put, I carried them with me, but I put, yeah. I took, I took, I put, I ate four and I went up and I made a pot of coffee and drank it at the summit, and I came back down, almost two miles down, and I stopped, and we're talking to these women from, from the Bay Area about Yosemite, and I ate, I drank more water with electrolytes, I didn't make coffee, but I, I ate three, the three eggs in my pocket, and I didn't eat till I get, but got back to a hotel room about 10 o'clock that night, and then I yep. ate some more meat sticks and a couple of more eggs, but that's all I ate on the trail, I mean, doing yep. all of that at altitude. And there were people that were eating oatmeal and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, and somebody took a crap that I apparently passed coming down because it was that, not there where I went up and just left a mess because you're supposed to use wax oh, bags and yeah. all uh, like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's because people have bad diets. I oh, absolutely. I, I, I didn't even yeah. do number two on the mountain. I took all these wagon bags here and I got to go or whatever. But I didn't end up going probably because I ate so low carb that I didn't right. have anything really in me to... To, to let go of, but it just, I just urinated along the way. And, uh, you know, and then I, like I said, I piled on the electrolytes and I right. think that, that kept me hydrated for most of the way. And, there you go. uh, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, and that same diet works here at sea level and of course. That people right. don't do it. And like Paul said, you see these people and they're terribly unhealthy and all like that. So, yeah. you know, and I guess, I guess I would like to tell this to Dr. Wilson, but I'm guessing my heart's in pretty good shape to be able to do that for three days. Oh, absolutely. So, All right. Hey, I, I got to move along. Great stuff. Uh, I, I agree. We... Uh we're so brainwashed into just thinking we need food all of the time. And the truth is, in many cases, we perform better without it. Fasting uh, is a pretty powerful strategy for a lot of things. Let's go to... Idaho this time. Tom, welcome. Yeah, hey, Kevin. Um, hey, congratulations to that guy that was just on. I remember that call from last year. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he almost, I think it almost killed, <laughs> almost killed him last year. Either, but he, I remember him saying he's going to do it next year. He's going to do it different. And yeah, good for him. Yeah, and listen to the him. difference. What a change. Great. Yeah. Right, he was it's, dejected last time, and now he's excited. Now he's all excited, wants to share with everybody, you know, which is way cool. There's a great metaphor here for life, and and I talk about this all the time. I was just talking about it to somebody again yesterday. Oh, I, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, so you know, the the year he and honestly, last year was a damn good attempt. I mean, it's nothing to you know certainly be disappointed with, but he was because he didn't reach the goal he set for himself. He wanted to complete it. He didn't. 
than basically just with diet. I didn't hear him talk about any big training regimen he was on. It, it sounds like all no, he really he changed. Cars. That's pretty. That's pretty active. Well, it is, but yeah. he was hauling cars last year when he did this too. So nothing changed. He right. didn't. He didn't no, fail and then changed. go do some big training routine to get ready for it. All he said he did was he just ate different right. the month leading up to it and during it, and we went from a failure to a success. That that's pretty incredible. Yeah. It is really incredible. And like Paul was saying, you know, about those people at the fair and they're now they're now they're on government assistance because they can't work because they're too fat or too, you know, um, too, uh, to just, you know, they let their bodies go. And that's called yeah. the Tetler cycle. And that it can't, it can't last forever. It lasts till 51% of the people, right. um, you know, 40, 49% right. of the people are paying for the 51. And that's when it, know? that's so, when a democracy collapses, right? That's when a democracy collapses exactly and right. we're getting there. Um, and what's yeah. really scary, look, when I hear, oh, it was a bunch of senior citizens and they look unhealthy, but if you heard Paul's comment, he actually said, yeah, they look but unhealthy, young. but they look better than the young people. And he's not wrong. I, I, I am. No, I'm appalled by what I saw watching these kids try to run. I, I just can't even get my no, head around I, that, that we have gotten to the point I, I, where a good percentage of our children are are. Boy, I don't even want to say this, but almost less they're subhuman when it comes to their physical abilities. That That is so wrong that those kids are that awkward and weak and they can't run. Kevin, I, I think it's, um, uh, I, I don't even think they have PE in school, you know, elementary school anymore, you know, and if they do, then it's, you know, it, it's supervised and make sure you're not, you know, uh, throwing a ball at anybody or, or running. Well, you know oh what? my God, you might trip and fall and hurt yourself. You know what was you really know? encouraging? Um, I just got to visit with my nine-year-old grandsons. That was the reason for this trip. Uh, I'm so happy they are going to a private school. Uh, my son oh, and yeah. their family makes a huge um, sacrifice to make that happen because private schools today are outrageously expensive after COVID that got worse um, because there's a lot of yeah. demand for private schools now. So they had a very hard time, you know, getting the kids into the school to begin with. But I really liked what I'm hearing from them. Um, they do still have PE, and it sounds exactly like the PE I remember from elementary school, which is pretty cool. Um, so not a bunch of not a bunch of lunatic teachers running it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I just I look at these kids; they're, they're just normal nine year olds, what I would consider normal nine year olds. Except now they start to look abnormal because everybody, uh, every other nine year old I see is <laughs> right, it, right. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. Right. This isn't normal anymore. It's, when it's, it's, uh, I, I remember no, growing up where scary. everybody in everybody in my peer group, in my class or whatever it was, could run normally to think that I was slow. But I, could, it, I, I didn't look I didn't I didn't look like I was um, a you know, mongoloided or anything. You know what I mean? And, it's, and now when it's you see awful. somebody run, you're like, oh, my God, it's, it's awful. It it's it's sad. It a little bit, but it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the weight. I, I watch them and, and their body does not move in the proper way. <laughs> like even the, I know exactly what you're talking about. Even it, the skinny kids can't run right. This was a commercial filled with skinny kids, which is unusual, but none of them ran yeah. properly. They're like running flat footed or and, it, it, and turning their arms. Wrong. Right. Their arms yeah, aren't in sync with their legs and their feet no. are weird. And yeah. they look like they're half falling over half the time. And I, I just look at that. And I think that's so you sad. You could run like that if you tried to. No, I couldn't. If you tried to, you could run like that. I, no, you could get know, me right? drunk and I'd run better it. than that. <laughs> right. Hey, uh, let me let me talk about Noel for a second. Noel's leaving out uh, um, the student loan payments come back. Oh yeah, in you're October. right. That's going to be you're a right. big, huge hit. Another, yeah, another that's going to be a commercial real estate. Yeah, commercial real that's estate. Be another huge hit. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. There, it it, it is know, hard um, to find any good news about the economy. 
it's it's going to be a bad crash because I mean, you look at China. See now, now uh, what people don't know because real estate was big in China and those ghost cities. If you go ahead and Google the ghost cities, and I don't remember how many there are, but there's a lot of them. And they were selling real estate to pretty much anybody to try to get it on their books that, you know, it kind of is a hot market for, and real estate was the one place that people were putting their money. Well, in China, if you can't make your payment this month, they're all, well, you know what? You just make a phone call, I guess. And then they're, they're, I don't worry about it. We'll just put it to the end of your loan. Yeah. You know, so it's not affecting their score, their, their credit score, but now they don't have that money coming in. And with BlackRock being so big in China, and I don't know if you can sell, um, uh, uh, I mean, they, they, they manage so much money, you know, but um, I don't see them uh, doing very well in the next coming three or four years. No. And so now you've got China doing bad. What are they going to do? They're going to go into Taiwan. When are they going to go into Taiwan? Well, they've got to go into Taiwan before Biden's out of so, office because it, Biden's not going to be... Yeah. Um, So one of the at least positives we might be able to take out of all this bad economic news was kind of how I started. Um, We have an election coming up next year and it's the economy, stupid. We talked about this last time. We expected the economy to kind of tank before the election and had it, it it may have changed things, but it didn't. It, the, the economy was still humming along. Everybody had money. And, and when that's the case, they don't look to make a lot of changes politically. Right? Why would they? They're, they're happy. No. Their bills are paid. They're out partying. They've got money. Uh, that may be the difference this year. Uh, it's already one of the craziest yeah, elections I, I can imagine. And now if, we th- if the, the economy starts to tank in 2024, that's going to change a lot politically. Well, uh, um, at the last minute, uh, it's it's not it's not people voting Democrats. People voting against Trump is what it is. So there's the, the yeah, people right. that love Trump and the people that absolutely hate him. So it's a vote against Trump. So what they're going to do because you know Biden can't run again, and uh, uh, the clown that he's got as uh, vice president, um, you know, she's not going to be in there. So they've got to throw Big Mike in there. That's the only chance they, they, oh, I, I, uh, they I, have. And, and Don't forget Gavin. Well, he'll be vice president. Yeah, Gavin's got the star yeah, power. So, president. yeah, some, something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, the media will sell up Michelle Obama, you know, and, 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 and we don't mind voting for a, um, you know, Trump didn't have any political uh, experience, you know, going in there. But, now, what happens, you know, with all the money that we're given to the Ukraine, all the money that now it, it, that's just going to completely disrupt our our, um, our uh, supply chain again when China goes into Taiwan. So there there's a big issue there. Yeah. The UAW strike that doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. So that's huge. It's all going to happen. It's, it's all going to come down at, at, at one time, and it's going to be devastating uh, uh, depression. It's, I mean, not even the recession. Yeah. I think it's going to be on the other I, side. I, and, I, and then Paul was saying, don't drive a Volvo. Uh, Volvo, compared to the Freightliner that I'm driving now, if I had Joe Morrow's uh, Volvo instead of this thing, that's $500 a week in fuel alone uh, that he's saving yeah. compared to the one the, the uh, Volvo or uh, Freelander I'm driving. Yeah. No, I, I, so there's that. I, yeah. Um, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in trucking during this, but I, I think it could get extremely ugly. Let's, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, what's on your mind today? What's up? What's up? I got a couple things. First thing, uh, I'm sure you know right? It's amazing, you know, how the, the tribe, you know, the tribe uh, gets helps people out. I reached out to Matt yesterday about a question about Vanguard, and he got back to me, and then he, he gave me his number, and I talked to him. So shout out to him for the help. But I love that. It's amazing, man. How, yeah. You know, I that love is, that. it's 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 a it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Um, quick thing I'm talking about with COVID again, like that. My fiance was supposed to go to work today after a five days of you know not going in yeah. and she, she was sick again this morning. But what I don't understand is how I, we, I'm not quarantined. I, I, maybe I, again, I didn't test this time. I'm just curious. I got to, I got to lock it up to the, 
to the, to the, I mean, like I said, that copper and that silver and the way I've been eating, I, I, that's the only thing I can say was the reason why I didn't get it. It's just, I'm baffled. I'm, I'm just saying I'm baffled by it. I'm like amazed by it that right. I, that I didn't, you know, I'm not sick, you know? I, I, just, I just know. I, it, I think it's incredible. I, I, it, you know, the last eight or nine years, it, no matter how much I'm around people who are really sick, other than that one time, I haven't been sick. And I think I identified why I got sick that time. I'd stopped all my supplementation on that trip and um, my diet suffered while I was traveling and lifestyle. You know, I was staying up late. I was drinking more. I was um, I, I just wasn't taking care of myself like I normally do. And I got sick. I paid for it. But it wasn't COVID. Right. Yeah. 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 Like I said, she had, and the thing that sucks is she's been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, of course. She had to because of the job. Of course. And, That's why she got and it. And then, you know, now, like I said, she's, she, she, yeah. Oh, I know. She's, I told her that. And then, like I said, she's, she, I thought she was over it. And then she, I, she called me this morning because she, she was going to go in at nine. And then I'm, she's like, ah, I just was throwing up and all that. She was almost in tears. I was like, there's nothing I can do. I can't, you know, I can't just make sure she's okay. But, you know, it's just, it's just amazing that it's going. And, and like I said, she's just like lethargic. I just like thought she's just not herself. You can tell it's running its course with her. But yeah. I just, it's, I, don't know, I think that's, that's just going to be another ugly turn to, to what you were talking about with the economy and all that. You know, I mean, just crazy. But yep. like what you were talking about in like the early nine, early 80s, my first job was in 1983 and I worked at a, a garden center and it was $3.25 an hour. That's what I'm <laughs> Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> and again, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You, you know, I, I took me forever to get that job. You used to have to look at the paper and you you could call up. You could, you know, you had a house phone, you call up, but they say, come out and fill an application. Exactly. You know, so you, you, that day you were looking, you like you said, handwriting. And you waited for the Sunday paper because the Sunday paper had more jobs than any of the other days. So you waited for the Sunday paper to come and then you sat down with the classified ads and you started to go through them. And this was week after week after week. And you could go fill out 20 applications for minimum wage jobs and never get a phone call. Yep, yep. And, right, and yeah, yeah, we're we're going to wrap it up. And we didn't have the Uber and and DoorDash and all that other stuff to fall back on either. Yeah, and that's and again, that's another thing towards the economy too. You know I, how many people switch to that? I, I, I read an article, a, a post yesterday, and, and a guy said it's something along the lines of, "Isn't America wonderful?" Um, he managed with an old car. He said, look, he said, there is no reason to be hungry in this country. He said, I had nothing. He said, I've got an old car and I manage every day to put gas in it, pay for the insurance, have enough to eat and get a motel room. And and we know how expensive that is. If you can't afford an apartment, you have to live out of hotels. It, it sucks because it's the most expensive way to live for somebody who doesn't have any money. But the guy said it. it Oh, yeah. With the gig economy, he is able to do that every day. He said, I'm still surviving. I have a pillow to lay my head down at night. I eat okay. And and I'm, I'm doing it without a job. We never had an opportunity like that. You either had a job or you were broke. Yeah, but Right. But that's a person that wants to work. Because, I right. mean, like, I see it all the time, too, down here. And, and even in Wisconsin. Well, let me tell you something. Wisconsin was the worst to people that didn't want to work up there sucking off the government it was like i'm going i'm getting up at 2 30 in the morning doing 560 miles you know at home every night and there's some you know i go to the grocery store on a saturday and there's people in you know riding buggies and you know and they go up there and they got an ebt card i, I, I know i'm not knocking people i use it but I, it, was, it was abusive man you know I, I i i let you go yeah um all right i'll let you go one uh one more comment and then we're gonna bring in rolling toe here um Every once in a while, I'll grab a gluten-free pizza out somewhere. It's pretty rare, but uh, the other day I was doing it, um, and I walked in as a Papa Murphy's where you get them raw and take them home. Um, Certainly not the best thing I eat, but it's convenient once in a while. Uh, And somebody was in there, and they were having a really hard time at the cash register, and I'm standing there just waiting. Um, it, It turns out they were trying to buy their pizza with some sort of a government card. I don't know what it was. Um, and it, it was blocked. It's not allowed. And I thought, well, f- good. 
at least they block some things. Um, absolutely crazy. If you are using my tax money to eat and you're doing it, trying to do it at fast food restaurants um, instead of buying staples and making your own food. Um, I don't mind helping people that need help, except most of them don't want to do a damn thing to help themselves. And I think that's what aggravates most people. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Um, The Becketts will be back with Rolling Toe in just a couple of minutes. I will see you back here tomorrow for Trucking Technology and Efficiency. We have no spaces this week. So uh, I am done for today, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.